Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. The sports world keeps spinning, and the local conversation continues. Now, Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. And a very good Tuesday evening to you, Jacksonville. It is Hacker After Dark, 1010XL, 92.5 FM, our late night show. Are you kidding me? Where else would you rather be from 10 o'clock to midnight on a Tuesday than right here? with Dylan Denmark and yours truly on Hacker After Dark, and we are certainly glad you are with us. We have a ton to do. What a week, Jaguars and the Titans on Saturday, of course, in the AFC South Championship game. We will have guests all week long to preview what is a playoff game here in Jacksonville, Florida. We'll kick it off tonight. Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. He'll join us. In about uh, 20 minutes or so, we'll get Brian's thoughts on the matchup, go down memory lane with some thoughts about the Jaguars and the Titans rivalry. So Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com coming up. Also tonight, head coach Dave Campo. Love our conversations with the former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. So both Brian Sexton and Dave Campo coming up tonight to talk Jags and Titans. And we can't forget, Cannot forget with a college football playoff, the games on Saturday. Just incredible. TCU upsetting Michigan, Georgia coming from what? Eight down, 11 down in the fourth quarter to knock off Ohio State. Two ridiculously good college football playoff semifinals. It sets up TCU and Georgia for the national championship. So we'll get all the college football talk you want with our guy, Brent Beard. You see him on First Coast News. You get him right here weekly on Hacker After Dark. He's coming up later on in the show as well. So a ton on the Jaguars and the Titans. That is going to be part of our big deal of the night. But of course, there is a gigantic deal in the National Football League that happened one night ago. And that's where we begin every night here on Hacker After Dark. We give you a big deal of the night. And Dylan Denmark, let's do it right now. Time now for the big deal of the night. What's the big deal? What is the big deal? No, because it is a big deal. On Hacker After Dark. Man, um, last night, about 24 hours ago from right now is when the National Football League decided to officially postpone Cincinnati and Buffalo. I'm driving home last night. We did a little impromptu trip, took the young man to Legoland yesterday. He enjoyed that thoroughly. So I'm in the car driving back when the game kicks off, and I get back to my house at about 8.45 last night. Get in, turn on the TV, and literally, it was two plays before the play happened with DeMar Hamlin. The safety of the Buffalo Bills makes the tackle on T. Higgins, gets up, and then goes back down. And when you watch football long enough, 
like I imagine most of you listening to Hacker After Dark right now, you know when something's really bad. And when he went down, those trainers ran out there. They sprinted out there. And when they got out there and they then turned around and were motioning to the sideline to get additional help out there now, you knew it was bad. And uh, from watching it, seeing the players' reaction, ugh. It's going to be a moment in sports where you're going to remember where you were when DeMar Hamlin, the safety of the Buffalo Bills, had to be resuscitated on the field. His heart had stopped, according to reports, and they did CPR on the field to bring, to essentially bring him back to life. Uh, All day today, we've been looking, anxiously waiting for reports to come out. Finally, tonight, on the NFL Network, the uncle of DeMar Hamlin, who was at Cincinnati's uh, University of Cincinnati's Hospital with DeMar, <coughs> tells Pro Football or tells NFL Network that he is on a defibrillator. But his breathing is apparently improving. The defibrillator was doing 100% of the work. And now DeMar is breathing 50% of the work. The machine is doing the other 50, but the machine last night and most of today was doing all his breathing for him. That is no longer the case. DeMar Hamlin, according to his uncle on NFL Network, still on the machine. Machine is still helping him, but only at 50%. So that is a wonderful sign, a wonderful sign that his breathing is apparently improving. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, last night watching that prayers up for that young man, his family, you want to talk about the NFL community coming together. DeMar Hamlin was doing a toy drive, the third annual toy drive. I believe his goal was $2,500. As of about an hour ago, it's raised over $5 million with people wanting to help the foundation, help DeMar Hamlin. And uh, boy, you just hope things continue in the positive direction. But when you see these athletes, these gladiators out there, these warriors that play this violent game, of professional football, when you see them crying, sobbing uncontrollably, there was no way that game was going to go on last night. I don't know why it took over an hour to officially postpone it. What they're going to do moving forward, I don't know. That has not been announced. We know they're not going to make up the game this week. And from the world of the NFL, getting back to the game of football, it is an important game, was an important game. Will it be made up? How are they going to handle that? Who knows? I think, honestly, that is starting to become a little more of the conversation now because it does appear, again, appear, 
based on what his uncle told NFL Network tonight, that DeMar Hamlin is improving. Obviously, still not out of the woods. Obviously, still a long way to go. But the news coming out of that hospital at Cincinnati, Ohio, is much more positive now than it was even 12, 18 hours ago. So if that continues and things continue to improve, then we can get back to the game of football, how these players go on, particularly on the Buffalo Bills roster, and what, if anything, they can do about that game last night. I understand that was not the conversation last night. <clears throat> that football was an afterthought, was not even on the minds of anybody, nor should it have been. It was all about DeMar Hamlin. It all is still about DeMar Hamlin over 24 hours later. But again, the news appears to be on the surface a little more encouraging within the last couple of hours. And hopefully that continues. I've never talked to DeMar Hamlin, obviously. Never met DeMar Hamlin. But from all indications, a good guy, a good kid, only 24 years old, second year in the National Football League. When you're a former sixth-round pick in year number two and you're already got a foundation to give toys back to underprivileged kids, you're a good guy in my book, man. And just hopefully, 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 things continue in the right direction. And we are all certainly praying and hoping for the best for not only DeMar Hamlin, but obviously his family and everybody associated with the Buffalo Bills. So that is certainly the big deal of the night. If you want to bring it locally, back into the world of sports, which is what we do here on Hacker After Dark, and we love it. Not an easy transition, but we will. Continue the conversation in the world of sports. We have a playoff game here in Jacksonville on Saturday night. I know the Jaguars can get in with a tie, and I know the Jaguars, even with a loss, if Pittsburgh and Miami and New England all lose, the Jags would still get in. Wonderful. Great. Now that I got that nonsense out of the way, it is a playoff game on Saturday night. Yeah, I'm pumped. You should be, Trevor. I'm pumped for you. The winner of Jacksonville, Tennessee, is the AFC South champion. They will be the four seed in the AFC playoffs, and they will host a playoff game. <laughs> the loser, their season is over. The biggest game in Jacksonville in a minimum five years. Buffalo in the playoffs in 2017 is where I go back to say, all right, that was a huge game. So you're going back five years. In a win or go home scenario, though, even though it's not officially the playoffs, it is a playoff game in week 18. It will only be the second time in the last 20 Two years 
that the Jaguars have a home game under these circumstances. And I'm already tired of something. I'll tell you, ruffles my feathers, man. Oh, the Jaguars aren't going to have any rest. The NFL gave them the business. Tennessee had nine days off. Jacksonville only has five and a half days off. This is ridiculous. Who freaking cares? Let's do the math on this. Jacksonville had 10 days off between the Jets and the Texans. Another six days between the Texans and the Titans. Translation? When that game kicks off against Tennessee on Saturday, the Jaguars will have played one football game in 15 days. (laughs) Travis Etienne will have played two quarters in 15 days. Trevor Lawrence, Brandon Sheriff, two and a half quarters in 15 days. Give me a break. This will be Tennessee's third game in 14 days. They played on Christmas Eve and against Houston. They played four days later and they lost to Dallas. And now they'll play Jacksonville. So again, do the math. Tennessee, this will be their third game in 14 days. Jacksonville will have played two games in 15 days. I don't want, and, and, and the funny part is, it's not even really the fans. It's some of my colleagues in the media, both locally and regionally, and I'm just like, who cares? Go play the game. I don't care if you have one day off, 10 days off, or 100 days off. If you cannot beat Josh Dobbs at TIAA Bankfield in a primetime game in front of your home crowd where it's winner take all, I know the saying gets tiresome, but I'm going to say it. If you can't beat Josh Dobbs, who was on the Detroit Lions practice squad two and a half weeks ago, If you can't beat that guy, you do not deserve to go to the playoffs anyway. Give me a break. Jacksonville should go out there and should beat the crap out of the Titans on Saturday night. They are clearly the better team. They are clearly the healthier team. And I just cannot imagine a scenario other than Jacksonville reverting back to their old ways. If the Jaguars have three turnovers, commit 10 penalties, don't take advantage of opportunities, well then yes, of course, Tennessee can win the game. But if Jacksonville goes out there and they're even remotely close to what they've been doing since coming off the bye week, they will beat Tennessee, and I don't think it's a competitive game in the fourth quarter. The Titans are terrible. They're terrible. Josh Dobbs got praised last Thursday and their loss to Dallas. He was 20 of 39. 207 yards, one touchdown, one pick, and you would have thought, according to the Tennessee media, he was a combination of Tom Brady and Joe Montana. 
<laughs> because that's how awful Malik Willis is. He was 20 of 39. I just cannot believe all the love Dobbs was getting for that performance. Hey, Dobbs, go out there and be 20 of 39 on Saturday. And Jacksonville will win that game by three touchdowns. Six days off, nine days off, who cares? Again, Jacksonville will play two games in 15 days. It will be their third game in 16 days. For Tennessee, this will be their third game in the last two weeks. It's not a rest thing. It's a talking point, I suppose, for people that want to make this a big deal, which it really isn't. Go out there and win the game. Point blank and period. 641-1010 is the phone number. You need that number right now because we are givers. If it's Tuesday night at 1017 Eastern Standard Time, Denmark and I think you need a thank you for listening to Hacker After Dark on our late show. So Florida Gator fans, the Mike White revenge game. Saturday, the Georgia Bulldogs come to Gainesville to take on Florida in college hoops. You're talking dirty to me, and I kind of like it. If you want to go, be caller four right now, 641-1010. And Dylan Denmark will hook you up with a pair of tickets to Georgia, Florida, basketball in Gainesville, Mike White's return to Gainesville on Saturday. Caller four right now to go to Gator Basketball, 641-1010. Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com, talking Jags, Titans, and more. That's next. Hacker After Dark on a Tuesday here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. Now, another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line, brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL at 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. We hope you had a happy new year, and boy, what a game. Coming up this weekend for the AFC South Championship, the Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's talk to a man that's worked with the Jaguar organization for over 28 years. It's a big one on Saturday night. No one else better to talk to than Brian Sexton of Jaguars.com. Brian, how we doing? Brian, I'm good. How are you this morning? Brian, we're good, man. Thank you for the time. And, and look, before we get into the game, and it's a big one, and we're going to talk all about it, uh, you've been around the National Football League for nearly three decades with the Jaguar organization. Uh, clearly, the biggest story is is what happened in Cincinnati last night with Bill Safety, Demar Hamlin, Brian. When you were watching that last night, as you've watched what's happened today so far, uh, just your thoughts on on just a terrible, terrible story right now. Well, I, life is precious, right? I mean, it's you realize right there and then uh, the reaction of the players was so quick and so powerful. Something was up. Uh, you know, I said to my boys, because I, I watched the trainer run over and immediately grab his helmet. And it reminded me of 1991 when Dennis Bird, who played for the Jets, was paralyzed. 
how they immediately got to his helmet. I said, hey, something's up. And of course, you don't you don't you th- you're immediately thinking, well, it's a head and neck injury. This is horrible. And then, you know, we come back from break and they're talking about CPR and cardiac arrest. And it just I, it was a horrible thing to watch on TV. The broadcast, you could appreciate the fact that you had Joe Buck and Troy Aikman in the booth. They had nothing to work with, and they're trying to walk people through what's going on. You had Lisa Salters on the sidelines and in the tunnel. She's trying to do the exact same thing. And, you know, the folks back in the studio, Booger McFarland was back there and trying to explain what's going on. And no one knew. Um, and we still, you know, we're still waiting. I mean, the, the good news is, is that they've got him in a hospital. It appears they've got him stable. But no one knows how to deal with this situation. It... Um, it was really tough to watch, and, and I don't think I have anything to add that anybody who's maybe just watched their first football game wouldn't think. Life is precious. There's no doubt, and you mentioned Joe Buck, and, and for whatever reason, Joe Buck gets kind of a bad rap from some people, and I've never understood it. I think he really does a good job, but i got to tell you, Brian, watching that last night and how Joe Buck handled that situation on the broadcast, I'm not sure if you could have had a better person it put in a situation like that on live television than the way Joe Buck conducted himself last night. Yeah, you know, and, and I compared it to 1989 when Al Michaels navigated folks through the earthquake in San Francisco uh, that altered the course of that uh, the World Series game on ABC. And I remember thinking then that's what a good broadcaster does. He can go from sports in the World Series to a natural disaster where people's lives are at stake. And I thought he did it effortlessly. And last night, you know, watching and listening to Joe Buck guide Troy Aikman through the process, I thought he did the exact same thing. And and he goes up there with one of the all-time greats in my book for the way that he was able to keep people focused on the big story and not the smaller things. Well, we're certainly all praying for Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin. There is no question about that. It's not an easy pivot, but we're going to do our best and get back into the world of sports. It's what we do here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Again, Brian Sexton of Jaguars.com. Brian, it's a big one this weekend, Tennessee and Jacksonville. It's it's a playoff game, right, for all intents and purposes. The winner is the AFC South champion. The loser is uh, almost certainly going home for the offseason. It's a primetime game on Saturday night down at the stadium, and what a scene that should be. Well, you know, I've been telling folks since Sunday that it's going to be the biggest regular season game since the 22nd of December 1996, when the Jaguars were hoping to finish off the Atlanta Falcons in a five-game winning streak to end the season. You know, Ryan, you and I would talk through the course of this year, and I've made comparisons because I think there are so many similarities to 96, but that's exactly what you've got here. One game for the chance to get into the tournament. A stadium that is, if it's not sold out you know, at this moment, it will be in, in a matter of hours, uh, filled with Jacksonville people ready to watch their team, ready to watch their quarterback, right, which we've been waiting for for a very, very long time. Um, I, I mean, I, I expect the Titans to come in and give their best, but I expect the Jaguars to just and, – and the scene to just be overwhelming on Saturday night, and I can't wait. Brian, we'll get to the game in a moment, but a lot of people uh, upset about the Saturday night situation the Titans coming off a Thursday game they get nine days off for the Jaguars basically only get five and a half days off Uh, do you think that's a big deal is that as big a deal as people are making it out to be no because you know so many of their guys are hurt you know I mean they're they have put so many guys I think they lead the league with the number of guys who are on injured reserve and the Jaguars 
had the fewest number of games lost to starting players this year. I mean, it kind of just is what it is, and you can't do much about it. And you're talking about one more day. Does one day make a difference? Yeah, I guess it can make a difference, but there's nothing you can do about worrying about it. And the Jaguars knew the scenario existed, so they had a plan in place last week to deal with the shortened week. It's not like they thought, well, we're getting Sunday no matter what. No, they were prepared for it. Um, I, you know, you get used to playing in four days with a Thursday night game, which they just did. You can get used to playing in six days. I, you know, I, I said again, I was watching the game with my kids, and I said to uh, to them on Sunday night, hey, you know, if Green Bay wins this game, they're Sunday night. What? Yeah, it's Green Bay, right? Hundred years of history, fans spread out all over the country, a major draw. I think I, I think we all knew that if Green Bay won that game, they were Sunday night. So the Jaguars kind of adjusted to it. And it's, you know, it's that little engine that could thing that we've talked about for years. Jacksonville's always going to be the small market. They're always going to have to prove themselves. There will be plenty of Sunday games in this team's future with this coach and this quarterback. No one has to worry about that. You're going to see your team on prime time. It's going to happen. Um, Saturday night, let's go. Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. Brian, I got to tell you, looking back at the Houston game, obviously Houston's not very good. Their record indicates that. But that's a Texan team that was coming off a win against the Titans. That's a Texan team that took Kansas City to overtime, and that's a Texan team that all but had Dallas beat till Dallas drove it 90 yards in the final minutes in the last, what, four or five weeks all those games transpired. So translation, that Texan team was playing pretty good. They were feeling pretty good about themselves. Jacksonville goes in there on Sunday and just runs rough shot over them. I was taken aback by that a little bit, Brian, to be honest with you. Well, we've seen some bad Jaguars teams, you know, finish the year with a flourish. In fact, we watched one last year wallop the Colts and, and, and send the Colts entire franchise off kilter. I mean, look what happened to them this year. So, yeah, I mean, to go in there and to beat a team that wanted to beat you for a 10th consecutive time to, you know, derail you, uh, the game meant a lot to the Texans because they wanted to finish with a winning record in the division, and it didn't have a lot of significance to the Jaguars in terms of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think it was an impressive win, and it would have been great to win 10-7, to but to go beat them 31-3 to and they settled for, you know, a long field goal to get on the board, that's the thing that was so impressive about what this team is doing. And if you go and you watch the, the highlight of Doug in the locker room afterward, and he talks about just do what you do, be who you are, don't change anything – this team, since that loss to the Lions, has been a steady team. They have been businesslike. They have been purposeful. They have won games that no one thought they had any business to win, like winning in, um, in Nashville and beating them the way that they did and beating the Cowboys. You know, and then they go on, on primetime in New York the week before Christmas in bad weather. And then last week, I mean, this is a businesslike team, Ryan. The old Jaguars are gone. That team is put to rest. This is a completely different team, and I know, because I do it myself, that a lot of people who've watched this team for a long time are anticipating, all right, when are the Jaguars going to show up? You know, when are we going to see the sloppy play, the turnovers? When are we going to see missed opportunities? I think that's gone. I think you've got a team coached by – do I have to convince you that this guy is coach of the year material? I don't think so. I mean, this guy has done an amazing job. Um, I've been impressed with it all, so – it's it, this thing is about to get fun because the coach and the quarterback are on the same wavelength. And we've waited for that for a long time. Brian Sexton of Jaguars.com. I'll tell you this, Brian, too. And I was guilty of it on Sunday. You know, we talk about momentum, keeping the momentum going. And as I'm watching the game, I'm thinking, you know what? Trevor 
was kind of struggling a little bit. You know, he overthrew Christian Kirk. He had the interception. And you look at the end of the game, and he's 17 of 21. I mean, yeah. if you're yeah. 17 of 21, and it looks to me and other fans have brought it up too that they thought Trevor was struggling, my gracious. I mean, what the bar that he has set for himself. Well, that's true. And we've watched him over the last couple of weeks throwing lasers with authority, um, not throwing interceptions. And so I think when that ball was picked off, you know, people immediately went, well, it's not a good day for Trevor. Well, okay, 17 to 21 is not a good day. Buckle up. It's going to get a lot more fun than I thought. Um, we, we, this is an offense, and we're about to get used to a team that can score. It's why I, why I think the Jaguars are likely to be able to hang a number on the Titans on a Saturday night because this team can score. And, and I don't know that the Titans can keep up. They've averaged just 15 points a game over the course of their six-game losing streak. So I, I just, when you've got that kind of a quarterback and 17 of 21 has people scratching their heads, man, something's really going right in Jacksonville. Brian, you were on the call January 23rd, 2000. I don't have any internet material in front of me, any papers in front of me. I remember that game because that was the worst day in Jaguar history when Tennessee yeah. came in here and won that AFC championship game. It's 23 years ago, yet I remember as a 15-year-old kid, I guess I was 16, like it was like it was yesterday. And I wonder, look, that'll never be erased. That day will never be erased. Jeff Fisher and Steve McNair and Eddie George celebrating there at, I guess it was Altel Stadium at the time. But would a win on, on Saturday night dampen any of that stain on the on the Jaguar franchise if they knock the Titans out take the division from them in one of the greatest division comebacks the NFL has seen how much will put that put to rest what happened on January 23rd 2000 well to me it'll never put it to rest right I mean that was that was an amazing season and 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 a Super Bowl would have been amazing so I'll always kind of feel that and I've got my own you know personal stories about you know the aftermath of that game and driving home and and I won't bore your listeners with it. I'll never forget that. But here's what it will do, is it will signal the dawn of a new age in this rivalry. And look, you know, and, and you may have some younger listeners who, don't, who aren't as familiar. The Titans beat the Jaguars in their first ever game, right? The, the Titans kept the Jaguars from claiming the division title, their first in 1998, when they were the Oilers here and beat them. And the Jaguars had to go on the road and lose and, and, and claim the division title by default. They kept us from the Super Bowl. I mean, there's so many things in this rivalry that are important and and meaningful. And this will be, I think, the dawn of an era where the Jaguars are the better team. The Jaguars are the best team in the division. I, I've said that since midseason. I saw the roster, Ryan, and I said, I don't care what you say or what the record is this year. The Jaguars are entering that moment where this is their division because they have the best young roster with a quarterback. So it will switch the narrative going forward. Uh, and give the Jaguars a chance to catch up in the standings between the two teams. But, nah, that that that, that AFC championship game, yeah, that one's going to sting forever, at least to me. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Maybe it's my age because, again, I was a teenager when that happened, and the Titans have done so much damage to me mentally over the years. And I get it. They've lost six in a row. They got a guy starting at quarterback that was on the Lions practice squad two and a half weeks ago. They're unbelievably – banged up and and I get all that but Brian I see that logo man and, and I hear yeah. Vrabel talking in his press conference this week and the, how they're getting healthier and they're going to be ready to go and you know Derrick Henry's going to come in here and do his thing and even though everything in my mind's telling me Jacksonville should roll these guys 
I think that logo just has some kind of voodoo over me, Brian, because I'm a little concerned. Well, and, and look, I, I mean, I, I get it, too. What did we just say a couple minutes ago? Keep waiting for the Jaguars to show up, that team that couldn't compete with those guys, that Derrick Henry could run over. I think that's gone. I, You know, the Jaguars, when you look at it, just start matching up. Where don't they match up? Okay, they've got a dominant interior player in Jeffrey Simmons, who's battling an ankle injury, by the way, and maybe he's had a little time to get healthy. He's the most dominant player on their defense, but the rest of their defense is lacking pop. They just don't have the guys that they started the season with. And on offense, who's going to beat you? I mean, is Dobbs going to beat you? No. Is Traylon Burks going to beat you? No. Maybe in the future, he's a rookie. He's not going to beat you. It's going to be Derrick Henry. If Derrick Henry can beat you, then he's the greatest player in NFL history, right? One guy carrying a franchise to break a six-game losing streak against a team with a hot coach and a hot quarterback that's taking away the ball on defense, that's making plays down the field. I think it's overwhelming in favor of the Jaguars. I do get it. Mike Vrabel's an excellent coach. They play ball control. If the Titans come in here and take the ball away and get short fields and extra possessions, yeah, they can win. But if the Jaguars play the way they've been playing in recent weeks, I expect the Jaguars to put a number up and have another game like the last two where people go, wow, I don't want to play them in the playoffs. Final moments here with Brian Sexton of Jaguars.com. Brian, I want to talk about the coverage you guys are going to have on the website. Final thought about the game. You alluded to it earlier. You think about the big regular season games. I love the Morton Anderson comparison in 1996 there in December where the Jaguars won that game and maybe the most memorable play in Jaguar history. You think about some of the other great atmospheres. I cannot begin to tell you all day Saturday. People were upset about Saturday. Well, the tailgating is going to start, you know, 10 hours beforehand. It's going to be an insane asylum in there. It will look like, Brian, to me, what those Jaguar games in the mid to late 90s looked like on Saturday. Yeah, this is a chance for Jacksonville and for the fan base to show the league what it's capable of being. And I think we all know what this place is like when the Jaguars are winning and what the parking lots are like when the Jaguars fans are anticipating the game. I, I would tell people, stop worrying about the fact that you're playing a game on Saturday, one day earlier, one day, 24 hours, okay? And start focusing on the fact that you're playing a game, one game at the end of the season with everything on the line against a heated rival on national TV. I mean, you can focus on the negative if you want, and I don't think it's that negative, or you can focus on the positive. And the positive here is this is Jacksonville's moment to shine. I'm telling you, Ryan, I wrote this in Quick Thoughts last week, which I do for Jaguars.com. I always love finding the San Francisco 49ers games when the Jaguars are done because I love to watch the way that Kyle Shanahan maneuvers and works personnel groups and motion to get the most out of his offense. I just I think he's a magician. And then I've been watching Doug Peterson with his quarterback the last couple of weeks do the exact same thing. I don't need to go find the Niners now. I'm watching it right in front of me. It's about to be so good. Forget the Saturday. If you think that's a slight, let it go. Focus, bring your energy for what is a massive moment for this franchise. In his first year, Doug Peterson has this team ready to claim the division title and send you into the playoffs. I'm telling you, if I had offered that to you in September and said it's going to be on Saturday night, not Sunday, you would have said, I'll take it. I'll take it at Saturday at, at 9 a.m. I don't care. Let me play for something. The time is irrelevant. The team is what matters, and this team is ready to go. There's no doubt about it. I know you guys are ready to go at Jaguars.com. Brian, what's coming up this week? Well, you know, the, the regular slate of drive time and happy hour. You know, it's kind of like Doug said. 
to his team. It, just keep doing the same thing. Just keep doing the same thing. It's funny. I do this show called Jags Wired, which airs on Wednesday nights. And it's a behind-the-scenes show. And I've told people that for the last couple of years, I've gotten really good at writing a good show about a team that isn't as good. And I've been excited the last month, Ryan, to be able to write a good show about a team that is good. You know what I mean? There's a lot of the work that we've done over the years that's been good and entertaining, but people haven't wanted to see it because the team hasn't been winning. Well, now we've got a lot of eyeballs on our stuff because people are excited about their team and they can't consume enough Jaguars material. So I think people are going to really enjoy a lot of the things, whether it's sounds of the game or mic'd up or our, our shows. Um, we're excited to tell the story of a good team and, um, Maybe we'll be telling a lot of different chapters of that story for years to come. Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. Brian, how about this? Let's go beat Tennessee Saturday night, and let's you and I talk a little playoffs next week. How about that? Hey, Brian, as I've told you all season, I really enjoy the conversation. Call me. Brian, thank you very much, my friend. We'll see you Saturday. You got it. Well, heck, I'm like that Drake song. Started from the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> all right. Ooh. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah, started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, not a whole team here. Started from Is this the, the uh, song Leon was referring to on the fifth quarter there, Indeed. Uh, Indeed. I like it. When you think of Hacker, you think of uh, this song from Drake. I would imagine. Maybe this can be my uh, my opening theme music moving forward. But that's, that's the story of the Jaguars, right? Started at the bottom, and they were. Three and seven, man. Three and seven. The Titans were seven and three. The division was over. You're four games out with seven to go. You're not coming back from that. No way, no how. But then you win a game against Baltimore. All right, you get to four and seven. But you go to Detroit and you get boat raced. All right, four and eight. Titans are seven and four. Seven and five, I guess. But then after that Detroit game, all Jacksonville is done. 36-22 over Tennessee. 40-34 over Dallas. 19-3 over the Jets. 31-3 over the Texans. When's the last time the Jaguar defense, understanding the quarterbacks they've played haven't been great? Zach Wilson... That beastly figure, Strevler, for the Jets. And then Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll. So the quarterbacks have been bad. But nevertheless, two NFL offenses have not put the ball in the end zone against the Jaguars in the last eight quarters. It's pretty good. Jacksonville has not given up a touchdown since the fourth quarter against Dallas. It's pretty good. Three and seven to eight and eight and one home win away from an AFC South championship. Speaking of the home games, you see this story? Came out earlier today. We knew that there were going to be some changes to the stadium. That's not a surprise. But some info was released by front office sports earlier this afternoon. (laughs) that I think is certainly worth a conversation. It'll get a little bit lost in the wash this week because of such a big ball game on Saturday night. 
But the Jaguars are talking about the idea. There's a proposal for a $1 billion stadium upgrade. Renovations. Shade roof over the bowl seats. So you're not like a fried egg up there in September and October. Decreasing the capacity from 68,000 to 60,000. When you think of shade roof, think of what Miami did down there. By all indications, Miami loves it. So just something to think about. That stadium's going to change very, very soon. It'll kind of be bittersweet, right? It needs to change. But I grew up down there, man. I grew up in that stadium. A lot of you guys and gals my age did too. I attended my first Jacksonville Jaguar football game at Jacksonville Municipal Stadium when I was 11 years old. I'm 39 now. And other than some scoreboards, which are awesome, some swimming pools, which I've never used, don't know if people would be ready for that or not, and thankfully some escalators, which were a great upgrade, by and large, the stadium is very similar now to what it was in 1995. So it needs to change. It needs to be renovated. But it will be bittersweet because, again, you're kind of saying goodbye to the past, but potentially saying hello to a very exciting future. Again, more on that as it warrants, but that's at least something that came out earlier today. You change the capacity from 68,000 to 60,000. What does that mean for the cocktail party? What does that mean for Florida, Georgia? I don't know. That got my attention when I read it. But for the here and now, it's all about the Jags and the Titans. We'll continue that conversation in the 11 o'clock hour. Dave Campo, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, will join me as he always does. We got to get in some college ball talk in the 11 o'clock hour as well. That TCU win over Michigan was an incredible game. That Georgia win over Ohio State was an incredible game. The best single day. Two semifinals in the playoff that we've ever had. Two awesome games. That sets up now TCU and Georgia next Monday for the College Football National Championship. We'll talk with Brent Beard, First Coast News. You can also get him right here on 1010XL. A little college ball in the 11 o'clock hour as well. With Dylan Denmark. The Hacker Ryan Green with you. Jacksonville, we're glad you're with us. We're streaming for your viewing pleasure on YouTube. Just search 1010XL on YouTube. You'll see Hacker After Dark there until midnight tonight. Likewise on Twitter, at 1010XL on Twitter. You'll see the show there until midnight tonight. More to do, college ball and the NFL coming up here on Hacker After Dark. We're glad you're with us on a Tuesday on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. This is Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. Halftime on Hacker After Dark. One hour down, one hour to go. We are with you till midnight tonight, Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. The college football playoff, again, you look at what happened on Saturday. It gets kind of lost in the wash because obviously what's going on with the Jaguars and certainly what happened with DeMar Hamlin, the safety of Buffalo, uh, last night, again, the news there, um, his uncle told NFL Network this evening that he is on a ventilator, 
but the ventilator was doing 100% of the work as recently as this morning. The ventilator now, according to his uncle, is only doing 50% of the work as far as breathing. Translation, Hamlin's breathing is improving, which is an unbelievably good sign. And we hope, hope, hope that continues for that young man. And uh, he pulls out of this because that would be a phenomenal ending to what could have been an awful, awful story. Long way to go. Don't want to count the chickens before they hatch, but it looks better now than certainly it did 12 to 24 hours ago. But with the college football playoff, boy, TCU, what a win over Michigan. That Georgia-Ohio State game, one of the best college football playoff games we've ever seen. And now TCU and Georgia have to flush that out of their system pretty quick because they play for a national championship in less than a week. Brent Beard talking college ball. You see him on First Coast News. You get him right here weekly with me on Hacker After Dark. He's coming up next at the bottom of the hour, head coach Dave Campo, as we get back into the Jaguars and the Titans. It is a Tuesday night on Hacker After Dark, our late night in Jacksonville. We're glad you stayed up with us. Brent Beard and Dave Campo in the next hour here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. We hope you had a happy and safe new year. The college football playoff, uh, the semifinals are in the books. Boy, unbelievable. Games all the way around. Georgia and TCU to play for a national championship next week. There's a lot to get into, and with that, let me welcome in my friend Brent Beard. You see him on First Coast News here locally. You also hear him right here weekly on Hacker After Dark. Mr. Beard, how are you, sir? Well, I'm doing well. It's good to uh, be on with you and, and uh, to realize um, we had two great semifinals that the the bowls are ramping up, and we've only got one more game uh, to go is <laughs> – uh, is quite humbling to think about, but also excited in two years where this thing is going to be. Uh, because keep in mind, Hack, um, the game obviously next Monday, which I, <clears throat> which is the ninth. The uh, in two years we're not going to have the championship game until the twentieth. So we we would have what, basically three more weeks of college football when we go to the expanded playoff. Yeah, I'm very excited about the 12-team playoff, particularly if we get numerous games like the ones we had on Saturday. Brent, we're going to well, talk about college football. We're going to talk about the playoff in a moment. Uh, but, but a guy like you, I've had you on for 20-plus years that I've done radio. You covered the sport longer than that before I even started the high school game, certainly the college game always value your opinion and certainly the big news in the world of football the world of sports and really the world if you were to watch cnn fox news even msnbc today is the situation with bill safety damar hamlin last night cardiac arrest was given cpr on the field uh, as you and i are talking right now uh there has really been no clarity as of yet on, on his status but 
my goodness, Brent, just your thoughts in watching that one night ago. Well, it was difficult for everyone. I think the two things that went through my mind are, I mean, obviously, first of all, uh, the, uh, the, the prayers for everyone who's involved with this. But I think what's going to be important, too, is that these players and the and and the uh, and I'm I'm sure they've got protocol for this. There's got to be some sort of uh, counseling and support for the players and everyone involved in that team. And it's not just the players, but there's so many other people at all different levels who who may very well need someone to express their grief to. And the other part that I thought of. And I'm guessing you have too, because what you do is you and I are at either at a college game or a high school game uh, almost every Friday night, and particularly on the high school level, how important it is. And I've noticed this, I'm curious if you have too, over the years where they have really beefed up their training staff. Um, and I've asked about this a few times at high school games because you would think that might be a weak link for some of these schools. But there's usually a, um, a doctor, uh, general practitioner, who is uh, volunteering his time or her time to be there and, and to help the team. And you've got multiple trainers. So I, I think the thing that I'm glad of, and I hope uh, that one good thing that might come out of this hack is uh, even more diligence, particularly on the high school level, to have uh, adequate personnel there. Um, because at times like that, I mean most, uh, you know, I mean most colleges and, and NFL teams virtually have a mini hospital on on hand. You don't always see that at high school games, and and I'm just hoping some good could come out of it. That, that that the coverage uh, medically for these kids, uh, that, that it will be adequate and even more than adequate on every Friday night. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and, you know, you talk about the first responders, the guys uh, on that training staff for both the Bills and the Bengals that were first out onto the field last night. I mean, last we don't know how it's going to end. It could have ended last night without mm-hmm. – the work of those medical professionals who, I mean, he went into cardiac arrest. I mean, they did CPR on the field and started his heart back up, getting him into that ambulance and to the hospital. Just, it was awful. And we certainly hope the best for DeMar Hamill and his family and everybody associated with the Buffalo Bills organization. Uh, Not an easy transition, Brent, but you and I are here to talk college football. It's Mm -hmm. what we do here on Hacker After Dark and we love it. So, we will press on here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. And, uh, boy, the playoffs on Saturday. I don't know if you could have asked for two better games, two better endings, Brent. It was a great day for college football. Well, it, it easily the best or most competitive uh, two semis that we have ever seen uh, that really went down to the wire, and um, I'm sure the ratings for both of those were off the charts, and frankly, I think we're, the people, uh, some people don't think so, but I think we will have games of that magnitude 
Uh, I'm not saying every one of them is going to be when we expand the playoffs, but we're going to have more of those uh, as it goes. Uh, but certainly uh, a, man, a historical win for <clears throat> TCU and, uh, and how well that they have played uh, at, at this point, having a chance to win a national championship. I went to graduate school in Fort Worth for, for three years, Hack, a lifetime ago when Jim Wacker was a coach at TCU uh, and can really appreciate how excited that they would be uh, right now uh, with that football program uh, and, and j- just how far that they have come and how far that they could go. Uh, Georgia again, uh, the depth. Uh, rings true, especially with the injuries that they've got. Uh, boy, Ohio State was really racked by injuries at that point, too. So uh, going to be, I think, a, a lot more competitive of a championship game, maybe, than people realize. You know, I want to talk about the TCU-Georgia championship game in a moment, but you would talk about, you know, the heart of a champion or having to dethrone the champion, whatever verbiage you want to use. Uh, I'll give Georgia credit, and I know people are saying, well, Ohio State had a lot of injuries, and yeah, they did. But Georgia's down 11 with eight minutes to go. And to fight, scratch, and claw your way back in, Stetson Bennett does his thing, and then Ohio State misses that field goal. Boy, you talk about the heart of a champion, Brent. I think the dogs really showed that on Saturday night. And I tell you, there's a lesson there again. If you can keep the game decision out of the hands of the kicker i don't care how good the guy is you're you're so much better off but look uh, uh, injuries uh with ohio state's one thing i mean georgia had their own uh chance chambliss had a hyperextended knee he's going to be okay during washington's leg injury as kirby said the soft tissue uh situation so they're hoping that he'll be back but what that did is it gave Robert Beal uh, and uh, Malachi Williams um, chances to play more. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr., freshman, Jalen Walker, uh, those guys had a chance to play more than they normally would have uh, during that situation, too. And it always goes back, doesn't it, hack to Stetson Bennett and how he plays, uh, and he was really good I mean, they had eight pass plays, 20 yards or more, to seven different receivers. Uh, and that uh, that receiving crew for Georgia, that's got a lot of criticism, also really were able to uh, step up uh, in that situation, too. Hank, there is a real concern, though, for that Georgia secondary. They've given up 850 passing yards and 71 points in their last two games. But as you said, they won, and that's really all that matters. But 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 don't think for a minute they won't get high priority over the next few days. You get Brent Beard on First Coast News here locally. You also hear him every week on Hacker After Dark here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Brent, the matchup between TCU and Georgia. A lot of people are calling it David versus Goliath, and maybe that's the case uh, but I got to tell you, Brent, just based on the eye test, that TCU team, they are good and they are fun. And Max Dugan and those wide receivers, they're getting after it. And look, you've covered college football for a long time. As I mentioned earlier, 
if TCU were to pull this upset off and they were to knock off the dogs next week, I mean, where would this be in the most unbelievable Cinderella-type stories? A first-year head coach inheriting a team that was below 500 last year is one win away from a national championship, Brent. I mean, what a story going on in Fort Worth. We could probably come up with college basketball situations that would be uh, uh, more to what you just described that, that we could in college football. I mean, it it would really, in, in many ways, just be uh, um, unprecedented uh, from, from what they've done with a lot of this same team. I mean, Quentin Johnston, who had six catches for 163 yards, the wide receiver, is really getting – a lot of publicity, Max Duggan, and, and what he and the, his toughness, what he can what he can do with his legs, uh, frankly, is going to be fascinating too. And TCU, uh, that three three five that you just don't play all the time. And look, Michigan had the Joe Moore Award winning offensive line, and that defense gave them issues all day long. They had four sacks. 13 tackles for loss. So it's going to be even more important that you see um, uh, that the Georgia offensive line overcome these injuries and step up. I mean, Kelly Ringo and Quentin Johnston, uh, Jalen Carter, and their uh, guard, Steve Avila, uh, and then that Georgia front four, Max Dugan. I mean, they're this is going to be a fun one, isn't it, Hank, to break down over the next few days. It is. And look, from the Georgia side of things, and I think everybody's picking Georgia. I'm going to go out on a limb, Brent, knowing you for 20 years. You're going to do like I am, and you're going to pick Georgia to win the game. And I don't sure. think that's a wrong assessment. Uh, and if they do win, and we talked about this last week, but now it's more prevalent because they are only one win away. Back-to-back titles for Kirby. It would be, what, 29-1? and one? I guess would be the record for the dogs over the last two years. I mean, this is one of the best two-year stretches that we've seen in college football history. I think the evidence of that is uh, on that defense where um, uh, they basically have only got two starters back on that defense that they had uh, at this point last year, but they are still – um, I mean, they're still number one in run defense, um, and, and in any significant categories on defense, they're again in the top ten if they're not in the top five. So, I mean, it just really tells you what they've been able to do um, in recruiting and what they've been able to do um, as far as to to maintain what they've been able to do. And, and I and I can tell you right now. If they win it in the preseason magazines, they'll be predicted to win it again next year. Yeah, I mean, Kirby has proven that he doesn't uh, rebuild, he reloads. They're Alabama in that regard. Their recruiting classes are absolutely second to none. And and, and look, you know, final thought quickly, because I want to get uh, end with Florida State, but as Stetson Bennett goes from a walk-on that left Georgia and then came back to potentially being the best quarterback in Georgia history, and one of the most accomplished quarterbacks in college football history, Brent. And I don't think I'm overstating that. Not a lot of quarterbacks have gone back-to-back titles in 29-1 and in 30 games, and that's what Stetson Bennett is one win away from doing. 
I enjoyed a recent tweet that said Stenson, Stenson Bennett's life uh, will, will probably a thirty for thirty won't be enough. Uh, they're going to probably need a mini series before it's over. I don't doubt that. It's been an incredible run. And by the way, he's not a caretaker. He's not a game manager. Stetson Bennett is right. a darn right. good quarterback, he and is. I think people have finally begun to figure that yep. out. He's improved significantly in all areas of the game, changing the play at the line of scrimmage, uh, his being able to uh, throw guys open compared to what it used to be. I mean, his footwork is, is much better where he can place the ball and – the thing that you always want your quarterback, don't you, Hack, is he is money when the game is on the line. Those are the places where he has improved. Final moments here with Brent Beard. All right, Brent, let's end with Florida State. They are, Their season ended since the last time you and I chatted. Nice game. I'll give Oklahoma credit. I did not think it would be yep. that close. Oklahoma battled, mm-hmm. but in the end, Florida State a little too much. Ten and three. For the Knowles Cheez-It Bowl champions, and I think you and I are in agreement, like you said, when those preseason magazines come out in May and June, I think Florida State not only will be picked to win the ACC, I would imagine they're preseason top 15, if not preseason top 10. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. And and, and people haven't realized yet that will be uh, um, a team that was going to be picked over Clemson. Uh, to win, but what they've done is is I think they they're beginning to create a culture where a lot of these guys want to be there. I mean, Fabian Love it. It just decided uh, that uh, that that he's returning. Their defensive tackle group is going to be really great, really tremendous. Uh, Daryl Jackson, Joshua Former there, and and, and this is something that particularly after the LSU win um, and the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl, uh, people may not realize this yet, Florida State's opener next year is LSU in Orlando. Uh, boy, Hack, what, and what kind of preseason attention is that one going to get? Yeah, I would imagine that's probably the leader in the clubhouse for college game day on opening oh, weekend yeah. next year. And again, you'll have Florida and Salt Lake City taking on Utah, right. and on the same day you'll have Georgia, or I'm sorry, you'll have LSU taking on Florida State there in Orlando, so it'll be quite an opening weekend. All right, Brent, you and I will not talk again until after the national championship. We'll review it next week, uh, but quickly, uh, not to put words in your mouth, I think we kind of talked about your pick earlier, but you are going with the dogs next Monday night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to go against them, frankly, uh, and the question is going to be, Will the stage be too big for TCU? And frankly, the one they played so far, I don't think it will. Uh, and, and, and look, um, I, I'm picking Georgia, but I will also say that uh, we'll not be shocked, will you, if TCU found a way to win? I will not be. They have uh, seemingly found ways to win all year long. It has been a very impressive run by TCU, and we'll see TCU and Georgia for the College Football National Championship next Monday night. Brent Beard of First Coast News. You also get him right here on 1010XL. Brent, enjoy the National Championship game, my friend. We'll be back next week to review it and look ahead to what should be a very interesting offseason. Thank you, brother. Always a pleasure, brother. Take care.
Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. The AFC South Championship game coming up Saturday night between the Jaguars and the Titans. There is a lot to get into, and with that, let me welcome in my friend Dave Campo, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. He's our head coach here on 1010XL, and he's always kind enough to join us here on Hacker After Dark. Coach, how we doing? Doing fine, Hack. Uh, excited about the opportunities that uh, this team has this weekend, and uh, let's get it going. It's going to be fun, Coach. There is no question about that. Uh, before we get to the fun part, we got to talk about the real-life part and what happened last night in Cincinnati between the Bills and the Bengals and safety DeMar Hamlin of Buffalo, uh, who went down, uh, we've come to find out, suffered cardiac arrest, on the field uh, was given CPR and at the time you and I are talking is in critical condition at a University of Cincinnati hospital. Coach Campo you've been around the game of football for what five plus decades you've been involved in the NFL a very large portion of that time as a defensive uh, coach defensive backs coach and a head coach obviously with Dallas. Uh, Your thoughts on what transpired last night? Well, obviously, you know, I was watching the game and I was shocked like uh, everybody is, you know, uh, you know, you just, you know, the, the, the difficulties playing the game of football can, you know, bring about some injuries that, that could be somewhat critical, but you never really think about the fact that there's a possibility that a young man could lose his life and especially a young man. And, you know, everybody gets mad at how much players are making and guys holding out and this and that. Uh, it's a dangerous game from that standpoint. Uh, and, you know, I don't begrudge any of that. I, I just, I'm just, I, it just hurt me to see the young man uh, in that situation. Now, you know, it's, it's only happened uh, where someone actually passed uh, one time that's back in the seventies, a young man by the name of Chuck Hughes with the Detroit lions, uh, actually passed on the field. Uh, this is a different situation. You know, you're used to guys getting up groggy, got had a head injury. Uh, there's been a couple situations where guys, you know, went off with, uh, not having any feeling in their body. And, you know, unfortunately unfor- that doesn't happen very often, but this one shocks everybody and the only thing i can even come close to comparing it with as a football coach was on 9-11 when i had to talk as a head coach with the cowboys to the team about them canceling the games that weekend and it's nowhere near the same but everyone was kind of in shock at that time about what had happened uh on 9-11 with the loss of life and all the things that went on but I pray for this young man. Uh, he, he, he seems like a, a wonderful young man as well as a, a football player. You know, usually when something like that happens, it, it's not just about the game. It's about the exercise that was going on. Because in my mind, obviously, if a young man uh, has a heart attack or a cardiac arrest, there probably some, were some other issues within his body going on at the same time. Yeah, you know, you talk when you hear from medical personnel, a lot of theories are being thrown out there, certainly. You know, final thought on this coach, but, you know, football coaches coach, right? 
you guys are the leaders of men. It's your job to get these men ready to go into football battle, if you will. But but put yourself in Sean McDermott's position, the head coach of Buffalo. Um, we don't know what the league's going to do. It doesn't really matter until we find out, you know, about Demar Hamlin and and what's going to happen with him because that's first and foremost. But at a certain point, you know, the games will continue, and if you're Sean McDermott. You're not trained for something like this. I mean, as a former head coach, do you, would you have any advice to him on 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 what to say to these guys moving forward? Well, I you know I think that it's a it's a life lesson. You know that from the standpoint that I would approach it basically the same way as I did back in uh, you know in nine eleven. Uh, you know, yeah, life has its uh, situations where, uh, you don't, you don't know, you can't control it. And, uh, you know, the game is obviously going to go on. It's just a matter, but I would not do anything until you, you have a, a significant up, uh, grade or, or, uh, update on, on what's going on with DeMar. But I think that he would just have to approach it with guys. Uh, you know, we talk all the time about, you know, when you're on the football field, you know, that's a business situation. When you're off the football field, it's all about family and all those things. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we have to continue here because this is our job. And uh, we continue to pray for the young man. And, uh, you know, when it's time to go back, we'll go back and, and we'll, we'll do the best job we can of putting that out of our mind and going forward. Dave Campo here with us on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. It is our job. It's not an easy transition, but, Coach, you and I are here to talk sports. It's what we do. We love doing it every night here on Hacker After Dark, and we will continue, but we are certainly praying for Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin. The Jaguars, Coach, this Saturday night, the AFC South Championship game against the Tennessee Titans, first and foremost, Jaguar fans are not happy that the NFL put Jacksonville on a Saturday night. My response to that is, well, the Jaguars will only have played one game in 16 days prior to kickoff. Remember, they had 10 days off between the Jets and the Texans, six days off after the Texans. So I don't know if there's any real advantage. I would think the Jaguars, only one game in 16 days, are probably pretty rested as well. But did you have any issue with what the NFL did scheduling-wise? Well, you know, my initial reaction was as a fan. You know, the, the initial reaction is, you know, I wish they had a full week. And not so much for the rest part of it, but for the game plan and practice part of it. You know, anytime that you cut back a day or two, you know, there's a possibility of not doing quite as much as, as you would have done under different circumstances. But as a football coach, you know, uh, I loved playing on Thursdays, uh, as an example, especially after winning the game before, because I think the confidence level is up, and I think that is bodes well from that standpoint. And as a football coach, you know, we're just getting on the field a day early, and let's go win the football game. So, you know, sometimes when you have too much time off, you don't play as well. And, and that might be the situation with the Titans. You don't know that. There's a lot of thought, though, that the Titans are going to be, quote, more rested. The Jaguars might be tired. And my response to that is, 
does 24 hours really mean that much? I mean, the game was going to be Sunday at 8 o'clock. Instead, it's Saturday at 8 o'clock. Are people blowing it out of proportion, Coach, to 24 hours? Yeah, I think from that standpoint, as a coach, yes, because, uh, you know, they've just played uh, a, a bunch of games. They, they played a, a Thursday game. Uh, there should be no the, – the adrenaline factor of this ball game should overcome any of those situations uh, from a coaching standpoint. And, again, I don't look at it as much rest as having one less day of game planning to get ready for the ball game. The advantage, though, is there. it's a division opponent, and we know the Titans. Obviously, uh, there's been a ton of work done on the Titans – uh, that are available to the coaches right now. Dave Campo, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, here with us on 1010XL in Jacksonville. All right, Coach, the Titans have announced Josh Dobbs as the starting quarterback. Josh Dobbs was on the Detroit Lions practice squad two and a half weeks ago. He is now starting in the AFC South championship game for the Tennessee Titans. Your thoughts on Mike Vrabel going with Josh Dobbs and what challenges he may or may not present to the Jaguars on Saturday? Well, first of all, you know, obviously coming off of uh, the numbers of losses they've come off, the, 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 the psyche and everything of that football team is a little bit fragile. And even though they lost the game last week with Josh Dobbs as the quarterback, unfortunately, he gives them some hope because Willis struggled you know, as far as, uh, you know, the throwing game, which, you know, obviously they have to use the throwing game some. Uh, and the one thing Josh Dobbs showed them was decisiveness and, uh, you know, ability to understand the game plan very quickly. And that gives the team hope that he, along with the addition of Henry coming back, that he, that he gives that team hope that they can come in and win this football game as well as the coaching staff. So, you know, the, the he's a journeyman quarterback. Hack. That's all you can say about him. Uh, he, he, he was only 50% throwing in the football game, but he did throw the deep ball well enough to throw for, for 200, uh, for uh, 232 yards. So, you know, his, his ability level uh, is still going to be a journeyman ability level, but he does present some problems because he is somewhat mobile and he does have the arm to make the deep throw. So we're going to have to approach this game. We're still going to have to approach the game with taking uh, uh, Henry out of the ball game, because if I'm Grable, I'm going to hand him the ball about 30 times. And, and the, the pass game is going to have to fend for itself a little bit. Coach, again, perhaps this is just media guy talking, but you've been in these uh, type of games, so you obviously have a much better perspective than I do. Um, the Titans, not at the quarterback position, obviously, but everywhere else have a lot of big game experience. Keep in mind, this was the number one seed in the AFC last year. They were in the playoffs. Derrick Henry has played in many, many playoff games, as have a large portion of that Titans roster. You come here to Jacksonville, You'll get an occasional Darius Williams from his time with the Rams. I think Christian Kirk had a couple of playoff games in Arizona. But by and large, there's just simply not a lot of win or go home experience on this Jaguar roster. Will that mean anything come kickoff on Saturday night? 
Well, what you just said is a factor from the standpoint that I truly believe a champion is a champion until they're not. So if we think that team is going to come in here and lay down, they're not. So our young guys have to understand that we have to start this football game. They're going to give everything they've got. So we've got to make sure we are ready to roll at the beginning of the ball game and try to control the football early in the game, control the game. And that means, you know, they can't turn the ball over. They've got to be efficient in what they do. Uh, I think this team is a special team, uh, you know, from what I've seen of them to go from two and six and then win six out of eight. This team has a lot of confidence right now. I think in some ways, being a young football team helps them because they 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 don't know any better. Uh, they think they're pretty good right now, but they also know, uh, I think, with what Doug Peterson has done with them, that that uh, it, every game comes down to that particular game. It's not about what happened, uh, you know, ten games ago or what's going to happen after this ball game. It's all about one football game, and I think this team is is ready for that. But at the same time, you know, they've got to be ready for the onslaught early in the ball game from that football team, especially running the football. A couple of more for Dave Campo here on Hacker After Dark. Coach, the home field advantage idea on Saturday night. I can't even believe I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say it. I wonder if the Jaguars might not be at least a little better off if this game was on the road. And I'll tell you why. They go into Tennessee and win. They go into New York and win. They go into Houston and win. They've won three road games in a row, and all three have been in fairly dominating fashion. You come home, and and I, I won't say they're going to take their foot off the pedal, but I think a lot of people are talking about the environment and how crazy it's going to be. If I'm Mike Vrabel and the Titans coming into Jacksonville, brother, it's us against the world. No one's picking them. They're coming into the enemy's backyard. Maybe I'm overthinking this, but as well as Jacksonville has played on the road, I don't know if the home field is, you know, where I would want to play this game, quite frankly. What's your thought on that? Well, uh, I don't think the home field advantage is as big in today's football for some reason as it was back in the day. And I don't know what the answer is for that. But I do know that in in this team's mind, this is a playoff game. There's no, you know, if we win, we're in or this and that. This is a playoff game, and they've been in that situation for the last four or five games. So the 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 emotion of the game is helped by the home fans, in my opinion. And and again, some of that is because, you know, back in the day when I was coaching, it was a big factor. So you know, I look at it like I would rather be playing at home than on the road. And that's just, you know, just my opinion. And I think the excitement of the game will be there as long as we can keep our poise. The only thing where I agree with you a little bit is that in this last ball game, uh, you know, obviously, uh, I don't know that Trevor played the best that he's played uh, in that ball game. Because I think early in the ball game, he was a little excited and he sailed a few balls. Well, you know, the added excitement of, of being here at home, that could happen as well. I just hope it doesn't. 
Coach, as we begin to wrap up with you, you made a comment on the fifth quarter on Sunday night that I completely agreed with. You know, you talk about all the millions of dollars that were spent on free agents that have come in and been great. Like, Foye Luican has been great. Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, I would say all three of those guys have been great additions to this roster. So this is not a slight on any of them. But the best acquisition this team made in the offseason, Coach, is Doug Peterson, and it's not even close. Uh, there's no question about that in my mind because, uh, you know, he, he uh, you know, the game is won on the field. We know that. We're excited that, that our, the guys that have come in have, have performed. But a lot of – there are two things that I think Doug Peterson has affected. One is the quarterback. Uh, I had a uh, – it was an interesting quote. I don't, I don't want to belabor this, but there was an interesting quote from uh, Reggie Ragland, the linebacker from, from the Browns, talking about the difference between Wentz and uh, Heineke in the game with the, Red, with the uh, Commanders. And he said, Wentz is a long strider, slow release. Heineke is a short strider, quick release. Well, that's the same thing that Denny Thompson, the quarterback whisperer on our shows, said about Trevor last year. And this team fixed that. And that's the quarterback coaches and Doug Peterson. He is now a short strider, quick release guy. So that is one of the things, and all those free agents you talked about except the defensive guy are affected by how the quarterback plays. That's number one. Number two, he has a steady hand. He's a gunfighter that wins a lot of fights because he doesn't worry too much about the opponent. He worries about his team and what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. And our team has been a quick draw team here uh, under difficult circumstances. So to me, to put them in this situation, his steady hand with the culture and everything in that locker room, the guy's a leader, and he is a huge factor in what's going on here. All right, Coach, 30 seconds to go. Are we talking playoffs next week? Do you think the Jaguars get it done Saturday night? I have a lot of confidence in this team right now from what I've seen in the last uh, the last. Uh, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks. Uh, I, I like this team going into this game. I think we're going to win. I think it's going to be a tough game. I don't think it's going to be one of those where, you know, it's a blowout. But I do believe that this team will be uh, ready to go early in the ball game. Uh, they'll stop the run or control the run, and I think we'll be in good shape. He's our head coach here on 1010XL, Dave Campo, always kind enough to join us here on Hacker After Dark. Coach, thank you very much. Enjoy the ball game, and hopefully you and I will be talking playoffs here in a couple of days. Thank you, my friend. You got it, and I'm going to be probably more excited than the players in the press box. I really have to watch myself <laughs> this week for sure and not get thrown out of there. Thank you, Coach. All right, Hacker. And thank you to my friend Dave Campo for joining us here tonight on Hacker After Dark. Of course, Coach Campo, our head coach here on 1010XL, as we get you ready for the Jaguars and the Titans in the AFC South Championship game Saturday night, 8-15. You'll hear the game right here on 1010XL, and we will indeed have a fifth quarter for you. Coach Campo, Leon Searcy, and myself, two hours after the Jaguars and the Titans go final, 
we're expecting about a 1 a.m. or so start to that fifth quarter on Sunday morning. You get me, Campo, and Searcy in a radio studio together at 1 a.m., who knows what could happen, particularly if we're celebrating an AFC South division championship. So thank you to Coach Campo. Thank you to my friend Brenton Beard, who stopped by to look back at a terrific college football playoff semifinals. And, of course, the final TCU and Georgia for the national championship to take place next Monday night. And Brian Sexton of Jaguars.com. Always appreciate Brian's perspective as the Jaguars get ready for one of the biggest home games they have had in a long, long time. That'll do it for a Tuesday night edition. We'll be back tomorrow night at 8 o'clock here on Hacker After Dark, and we will do it all over again. Dylan Denmark was your producer tonight. Dylan, great job as always. I'm the Hacker Ryan Green. And Jacksonville, thank you for staying up late with us on our late night show here on a Tuesday on Hacker After Dark. So for all of us here on HAD, have an absolutely terrific remainder of your Tuesday, and we will talk to you tomorrow night on a Wednesday beginning at 8 o'clock. Until then, good night, Jacksonville.